Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight, we have Earl Nieto, and we have special guest here live with us tonight, Fammy, Coach Steve Famoletta from the New Mexico Runners. Uh, Coach Steve, we appreciate you being here. Take some time out of your out of your evening and uh, just sit down with us. I know you had you had a dog in the background a, a few minutes ago, and I was kind of I was going to ask you uh, what kind of dog is it and uh, what what's their name? <laughs> uh, which one? <laughs> and it looked like it might have been a, a German. Yeah, I've got a couple of German shepherds. We've got quite a few animals. Uh, we are uh, big big animal lovers, and most of our animals are rescues. I mean, we have in the house, uh, what do we have? Nine dogs, four cats, three pot belly pigs, uh, mini horse, mini donkey, two full-size horses, and maybe all but three are rescues. Oh, wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, you know, I know that we've kind of talked about different charities and things on the show in the past. Uh, is there, are there any that you would like to throw out there as one that you guys support and uh, kind of go to for your rescues? Ah, uh, you know, my in terms of supporting rescues, we don't really, you know, other than taking in the animals. There's there's a lot of organizations that uh, my wife and myself are, you know, it, involved in, in terms of uh, financial support, and it's 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 a pretty good list. All right. Well, great. Yeah, like I said, we're, we're super excited to have you on here. And uh, we've kind of we've teased it a little bit that we've had some things that are going to come up this season and this year as we try to expand what we do here at Somos Moss. And I guess now is a good time as any uh, to let everyone know we are going to be uh, doing our best to try to cover the runners this season. So we're looking forward to getting out there and watching the guys play. And and that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on. And so I mean, coach, what's it, what's it like for you guys coming back? Obviously the runners didn't play in the 2020 due to, due to COVID. And, and, uh, how has that been like coming back, getting the guys back together? And what's the, what's the roster looking like for this season? Uh, the roster's looking really good. We've got uh, a good core of original players. You know, the thing with us is unlike, um, you know, New Mexico United, uh, our budget is a little more limited. So we really, really support the local player. And for us, it's the player that still has, uh, you know, a dream to keep on playing, whether they have goals to move on to a team like New Mexico United or within our own league, uh, move up to the M1 division where that's a full professional league. And, um, you know, the beginning was great, the excitement. Coming into the second year, it was a little rough, um, especially COVID. You know, December, we didn't have it, but there was the talk of it, what's coming. And then sure enough, you know, once we got into uh, the second half of our season, the league shut down. And so, you know, that left the guys high and dry and they're chomping out the bit to start playing again. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, I know it was hard enough for for most folks as soccer fans in general to to see how COVID affected uh, soccer basically the past 18 months, almost two years. And, and for a, a club like the runners and you guys play in the MASL, which most folks probably aren't too familiar with. Um, I imagine that's had just a, an enormous impact on the way that the runners have approached things and the way that the players approach things. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, you really, it's funny because it's arena soccer. Now it used to be called indoor soccer. And, um, 
you know, obviously the technique, it, it's very similar the way you handle the ball. But other than that, I mean, everything else is out the window. You know, there's no offsides. The ball seldomly goes out of bounds. Um, it's very dynamic in terms of subbing because it's played like hockey. You know, this free subbing, it's on the fly. So uh, it uh, it's definitely a different twist than the outdoor game. And, I mean, I, I love soccer. I love the outdoor game. I love the indoor game. Um, the league that New Mexico United is in, the USL, actually started as an indoor league called the SISL. And then it progressed from there. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity when I was a young man to play both indoors and outdoors. And, you know, I loved outdoors, but I have to tell you, for me, the indoor game was always so much more exciting. Yeah, you know, I've never actually, I haven't actually had the opportunity to go out and see the runners in person. It's something I'm looking forward to this season. And, you know, a, a few weeks, uh, not a few weeks, a couple months ago, we had a chance to talk to Casey Gaston, uh, came on the show and, and told us a little bit, you know, about where he's been playing and what he's been doing over the past few months. And, and for you professionally, like, how did, what, what was it like for you making that jump? Because you, of course, you're, you're a USL Hall of Famer. Uh, you had a, a standout career as a professional player. What was that jump for you going from a player to a coach? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I wanted to play professional ball since I was a little boy. And I was very fortunate to have uh, a mentor, you know, my first organized soccer coach, a gentleman by the name of Harry Gable. And he's a German guy. And Gosh, I was with the guy seven days a week. He lived four houses down from my parents. He'd pick me up every day. And I wanted to go to the field. And then he'd pick me up. We didn't go to the field. We went to some office space. And I was like, what are we doing, Mr. Gable? And he told me, oh, you're becoming a referee. And I was like, I don't want to be a ref. I want to be a pro soccer player. Hey, you need to learn the rules. And this will help you very much. All right. So I listened. And then one day, sure enough, he picked me up. We went to the soccer field. He walked me over to the far end of the field. There's five and six-year-olds over there. He said, okay, have fun. He started walking away. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, you're going to coach these kids. And I was about 12 years old at the time. I was like, Mr. Gable, I don't want to coach. I want to be a pro player. He goes, you need to learn to teach if you want to be a pro player. So I was exposed very, very young to coaching. And I'll tell you, the transition for me, you always want to play. I, to this day, I want to play. You know, I your body lets you down. You just get too old. You can't do it. Um, but I've coached long enough to where my love for coaching is probably equal to what I love for playing was. Well, let me ask you with that, how did you actually get started with the runners? Had you, did you have any prior coaching experience to that? And um, what's it been like in a, in a professional or semi-professional environment? Well, you know, back when I was still playing, um, we, uh, Played uh, the teams I played for professionally out of state. I mean, around here when the Chili's started up, I didn't play with the New Mexico Chili's. I was rostered with them um, initially, but I chose to go elsewhere because I could actually make a living because it was indoors and outdoors. And um, from there, I was player coach with a couple teams within the USL, you know, early on. So I, I have experience at that that level it's it's been a bit but um since then you know 30 while it was going on too i was coaching so it's been about a 36 year 
run of coaching um, either at the pro level or as a director for uh, youth soccer clubs. Um, speaking, speaking of the youth soccer clubs, that's not something I had really had on my, on my list here, but you know, Earl and I have talked about it. Earl and I uh, off air quite a bit. Earl and I are both involved with AYSO. Uh, Earl is on the board for the East mountain AYSO. I've been a volunteer referee. Uh, I've, I've coached, I've, I've done all those things. And, you know, you, you see a lot of stories about shortages of parent volunteers, whether it's referees, coaches, uh, parents, even just being on the board for these things. And, and what's something that you think that the the larger clubs here in the state, you know, the Runners United or even, you know, the, the High School Athletics Association can do to get more folks involved in this? Uh, you know, I it's funny. When I came up, everything was word of mouth, you know. And when you say media back then, it was the newspaper or if you were fortunate enough to get on, you know, the local news channels. Now with social media. It's just amazing, you know, how much information can get out there. And I just think you need to focus on that. You know, it's just, it's very, very broad in terms of what is out there. So I think it's a little more focus that way. And, and along with the focus, a lot more education, you know, to make people feel at ease coming in. It's kind of tough sometimes to volunteer or, you know, I mean, for me, soccer is a part of my life. It, it's, you know. It's like breathing, but I, I know it's always been, you know, not one of the mainstream sports. So a lot of these parents, they have no clue, you know, and to volunteer, it's very intimidating, especially maybe no experience coaching to begin with anything. And then not really having a background in the soccer, it makes it, it makes it pretty tough. Yeah, I can definitely tell you from experience, it, experience it is, you know, my, my first year out, um, I went out, I got my referee certification and they threw me into the U8. I was like, okay, U8, got to go out and do that. Uh, and then obviously COVID hit. And so a lot of stuff, you know, shut down, even the youth league shut down and coming out this season, you know, in this fall season, it was great to see all the families out. I know, and Earl can probably speak more to the, the number of volunteers that AYSO had and the number of kids that were signed up and, you know, they threw, my son played U10. And so I refereed U10 and uh, we ended up having, uh, I was talking to, I think it was one of the direct, another member of the board. I was the only returning referee from U8 to come back and do U10. And so they went out, they trained some folks up, but I refereed probably 90% of the games because they just didn't have anybody. Like one of the, one of the folks they trained up, like broke his foot or broke his leg. And so he couldn't do anything. And then uh, someone else just happened to miss every single game for whatever reason. And then he showed up the last game of the season and wanted to referee. I said, okay, sure. Go for it. I get to watch my kid for once, you know, and uh, 30 seconds into the game, he called an offside against the, one of the teams in their own half. I'm like, all right, you really can't do that. So, you know, I, I'm here. Like I'm certain I will help you out, <laughs> you know, like, um, but for me, it's always been, I want to be involved in whatever my kids are doing. I want to be involved. I want to help out. And, and it's honestly outside of it, it's such a rewarding experience. And I wish more parents got involved in this and even like older siblings as they're going through it. Uh, you know, that's a really, really great thing that you do. You know, I, I wish more people did it. The problem is, and, and it's not just true to soccer when, I'd say the majority of the people that do um, 
volunteer for the stuff. And it's normally because you're a parent. But some of the parents, you know, the soccer that they know is what they see on TV. So as a result of that, the expectation is, regardless of their U8 or U9 or U10, you know, that's what it should look like. And then, of course, the competitiveness and, you know, volunteer referees or paid referees, it doesn't matter, a referee in general, the grief that they have to put up with, you know, from the sidelines, um, whether it be coaches or uh, parents out there, you know, I, it, once again, it goes back to what we talked about a little earlier. It, it's really an education process. And the sad thing is I, I've been hearing about the education process for 35 years as a coach, and we're never going to get away from those parents that their expectation level is a little too high. I mean, for me, you know, I, watching the pros, mistakes are made. That's, that's just a part of the game. That's what makes it a beautiful game. You know, a mistake can win or lose the game, you know, for you, because sometimes mistakes work out. And, and it's the same thing with the referee. I mean, we have to understand that. The referee and the lines people, they're going to make mistakes. And, and as a volunteer coach or a paid coach or a parent on the sideline, you know, more so the coaches, you're a role model for those players. And, you know, the thing is you have those kids a couple hours a week and mom and dad has them the rest of the time. But they're looking for you as a role model. How's my coach reacting? You know, something's not going our way. Is my coach jumping up and down and screaming and going crazy? Because if that's the case, you know, you're opening a floodgate for your players to act that way and the parents to act that way. You know, so, but I, I commend you for doing what you're doing. I mean, that's fantastic. But, you know, uh, it's hard to get volunteers for that reason, you know, uh, especially at beginner levels. Because... The majority, and it's really changed over the years. The majority of the parents really, at least what I've seen, um, I think they're a little too competitive. I, I, you know, I if think at the soccer facilities, coffee should be banned. They don't need any help. <laughs> they should just go. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, if you are just joining us across our social medias, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, we are live tonight with uh, Coach Steve uh, family from uh, the New Mexico Runners. We're talking a little uh, MASL, talking some youth soccer, and uh, appreciate you being here. As always, throw your questions and comments in the chat, and we'll make sure that if you got anything for Coach, we'll, we'll get those up there, and we'll, we'll have them answer those for you as well. Um, you know, going back to talking about the Runners. Uh, Are you still talking? <laughs> Thank you, Earl. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so, by the way, Coach Steve, I, I do random things like that to keep it interesting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we enjoy our time here for yeah. sure. Yeah, we do. We, 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 have, we try to have fun with this, you know, as much as we try, as, as much as we want to be a, a serious outlet and, and talk about serious stuff. And, uh, we do have fun with it and, uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's great, you know, having folks come on and as talk to serious us. It's still a game. Yeah. And if you can't <laughs> smile, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, going back to talking about the runners. I mean, obviously, you know, the 2022 season is, is right around the corner. Um, talk to us a little bit about the 2022 season. Uh, how, what's the season for, for those that aren't familiar with the MASL? What is the season format like? And, uh, you know, how does the how does the champion get crowned? OK, so yeah, that's a funny one uh, with the MASL. So you have your regional games. 
And we'll kick off in two weeks. We'll be in Omaha, Nebraska. Then uh, we won't play again until New Year's Day. We'll be local. And, um, you know, we'll go until March. Then the playoffs. Don't know what the playoff format is right now. And um, I'm sure Earl talking with Andres probably told him the same. Uh, They let us know a little late. So it's a funny thing. At least it had been in the last couple of years, you know, there, there wasn't a concrete secure thing, but uh, basically I, I'm not sure if it'll be, you know, uh, just a straight up the region champions play against each other. I'm not sure, you know, how that will work. If it's a round Robin at that level. So time will tell on that. Yeah, I actually hadn't heard that. I know the schedule kind of came. I think it's schedule came out what like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, yeah. So I know we've been mm-hmm. we've been looking forward to it. Uh, Earl, what have your talks been with Andreas been like? Uh, looking at planning ahead for the twenty twenty two season. Very top secret. Very top secret. Okay. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> so no, so me and Andres have been talking God forever now. <clears throat> um, since during COVID, when me and Casey did that kickoff. Or he cheated. Um, <laughs> still forgot about that. <laughs> um, so we've been talking actually since then, and that's when we pretty much hopped on board with, yeah, we want to cover you guys um, in any way possible that we can. Um, and that's pretty much been what our talks have been. It's just been, hey, how can we cover you? Who can we bring on? Pretty much anyone we ask for, we have permission to get. Um he pretty much said, text me who you want and I'll get you their number and we'll get you get them on board with you. Um, but yeah, so our conversations haven't been very in-depth. Just been, yeah, you guys want to cover us? By all means, we want you guys to cover us too because obviously with local media outlets, and I'm not trying to talk bad about any local media outlet, um, but with the local media outlets, it does become a little bit challenging to get positive news. Um, Harry, what's going on, man? Nice to see you in the chat. I don't mean to like just cut my conversation short. I'm very ADD. Um, but yeah, so that's what our conversations have been. Just, hey, how can we cover you? Um, how can we get your guys' name out there to get you guys more, whatever you guys need, ticket sales, revenue sales, whatever you guys need, attendance, if that's what it takes. Um, we're more than willing to hop on board on that and just do what we can to help you guys out. And Andres has been 100% on board with the same thing we've been is all right, well, let's let's roll it in. Let's see what we can get. Yeah, like I said, it's exciting. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, getting out to uh, at the, the Rear Rancher Event Center. I was out there uh, about a month or month or two ago, and I caught a Gladiators game for the first time. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing the runners in action. And and uh, you know, coach, over the past few years, you know, you've had some some pretty talented guys coming through. Uh, what's it been like for you? seeing some of the guys, you know, get signed uh, by United or elsewhere within the USL or in the U S soccer structure. And, and, uh, and I guess we'll start there. Cause I got a follow-up question to that. Oh, I mean, it, it's fantastic. You know, I would never, nor would Andres ever try to lock anyone in, you know, from day one, when Andres talked to me about taking the position, you know, I, I know the dreams I had as a young player. So, you know, I empathize with some of the guys that want to go places. You know, some are very content. You know, they have professional careers here. 
You know, they're just so happy to be able to be part of this organization. Of course, I appreciate them. But then again, you know, with the players that do want to go someplace from here, using our team almost as a springboard, I back it 100 percent. And anything I could do for any of our players and it even if they're not my players, you know, any local player, young guy coming up or gal coming up that, you know, has dreams and anything I can do in terms of connections I might have or, or just simple phone calls whether it's, you know, to college coaches, you know, I, I, a big, big supporter of that. You know, I just love to see New Mexico players chasing their dream. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I know the, the runner's website doesn't have the roster up yet. Have, have any final decisions been made and who do you, who uh, should folks have their eye on this season for the runners? That's top. top <laughs> There's only one person on that club. <laughs> that should be re-signed. Um, his name is not Casey. Um, his name starts with a B and start and ends with an I. A B and an I. That's all we need to know. Okay. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it sounds like Earl knows a little bit more than, than he's uh, letting on. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. Um, this will be my first season you know, getting an opportunity to, to watch the runners, you know, in person. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it. I think it's gonna be a, a fantastic season. And, and, uh, I mean, it, it's, it, like I said, you, you, you talked about it and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I know Earl is as well. We're going to figure out a way to get us out there and, and, uh, you know, meet, meet some of the players and hang out with you guys and maybe do some live, live stuff out there. And, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, and we really appreciate it. You know, it's, uh, we're in Rio Rancho and the venue is, it's just beautiful. And the production, you know, Andres, he really knows what he's doing when it comes to production because it, it's very, for those that have been to hockey games at a pro level, it's same thing. Very exciting. You know, there's a DJ and I, it's fun. You know, the, the crowd, it really, really gets involved with it. And, and of course, you know, attendance is always something any team needs a booster on, you know, um united as well as they have done with the attendance surely they still want more and you know um we'd like to see that and, and i'm thinking or at least i'm hoping with last year with COVID and the restrictions within our state you know in terms of being able to go places whether it's restaurants or or the movies or anything like that you know there was such a limitation and then especially sports Right. You know, all of our local sports teams that wanted to play, they had to play out of state. They had to train out of state, you know, um, so that left a lot of voids here. So I'm hoping, you know, now coming up this winter that that'll be helpful for us because people have, you know, the freedom now to get back out there and the desire to get out there. Yeah, you, you talked about uh, reaching out to colleges for guys. How important is it, in your opinion, for the college game to continue to grow? And how devastating or how big of a deal was it for soccer in New Mexico that the UNM men's uh, soccer team was folded? So before you answer that, Coach, before you uh, answer that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to your jefe, Andres, who's actually on Facebook right now watching us. Oh, cool. <laughs> hey, boss. <laughs> you know it, it that was a big blow um i played for unm uh, i only played one season there and then i moved on from there uh but you know it's it was devastating 
because it's such a winning program here is it was their most successful you know fall program and you know there's a lot of things behind the scenes there obviously and you know things that um just for character and class sake i, I you know i don't really want to really discuss or talk about or even say what my opinion is of it other than it was really terrible thank god they kept the women's program and heather dyke has done a fantastic job with that you know and heather is really a class act you know a great coach um great mentor to the girls and you know that's that's really the big part right um making them good human beings and um but now if we take a step back the college game in itself, it's great for those kids that uh, maybe wouldn't go to college for other reasons. But I'll tell you that where soccer is headed in this country, especially with the, the academies, you know, coming off of these pro teams and now USL academies. And, you know, when MLS goes with an MLS too, there's going to be a lot of ways for uh, the guys and the gals to get into a, the pro game or a higher level without involving college so it's going to be interesting to see you know how long college soccer will stay alive to be quite honest i mean i think it'll be there a long time but i think it's just going to be you know select uh leagues within the country of college because there's just too many options now for the young players yeah and you know that's something that we've talked about a lot on the show is the the growth of the sport and you know where the young players go and you know how big a you know how big the 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 academy system is and how kind of how kind of for the past 20 years the US soccer pyramid has basically just been broken because yeah. of how MLS and USSF have handled things and you know looking at how different leagues are trying different things you know uh, USL is supposed is supposedly going to be voting on pro rel this winter uh nisa is looking at doing pro rel within their divisions as well and so i think there's still as much as much change as we've seen i think there's still a lot of growth within the system itself as closed as it is um and i think that the these leagues trying different things is really going to push mls in a direction that i don't think they're comfortable in uh, you know, there's there's a lot of truth behind it. You know, when you pull in um, a youth academy underneath, that, that's a big financial venture too. But they all have them already right now. You know, they've had that. And, you know, in terms of competitions for leagues within our country, the bottom line is, you know, it's like anything else. You know, the, he with the most money at the end of the day is going to win. You know, um, when a player has an option to not only make a living at it, but actually put away for retirement, you know, versus getting paid, but, you know, it's a seasonal paycheck, you know, that's going to dictate quite a bit, you know, and, and the one thing with our leagues, and I've said it for years, I mean, the good thing about America is in terms of pro leagues, we are the land of the late bloomer. You know, where else can you see a rookie come into the league at 22 years old? Because, you know, in, in Europe, 22, that's a full-blown veteran. You know, they've got a lot of uh, kinks in their guards by that point, And the experience is tremendous. And, and that shows. I mean, we've had quite a few Americans go overseas now, 
processes and, and they're getting more and more successful. But when you look at the population, the amount of American players that we have versus how few we send overseas. And the kicker there, too, is we're always here about the guys overseas. You know, there's a lot of gals before the Women's Pro League over here started back up. They were all over the place, our Americans. You never heard about that, which to me is a shame. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is going to be interesting. There's a lot of challenges because, you know, we don't have a specific blueprint in this country. You know, and, and USSF, they, you know, they're supposed to be the authority, but it's amazing, you know, that changes. Whatever they say changes. I, I can tell you personally, like on the coaching license side, man, they, they reformat that thing every six or seven years. So it's just, it's very, very hard. And, and like you said, it is a challenge. It's going to be a challenge moving forward. I, I think it's a fantastic challenge, you know, that type of growth. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I hope I see it while I'm still alive to where there is definitely, you know, a very obvious pecking order in this country. But, you know, right now it's kind of up for grabs. All right, we got a question for you in the in the chat here, Coach Catherine Soaps has, has joined us, and uh, she uh, she says she joined the show a little late. How do things look for the runners coming out of the pandemic and being shut down, unable to play for almost two years? Uh, it looks very good, Catherine. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, the guys are very very hungry. We still have uh, probably about eighty percent of our core players from our uh, inaugural season, and we have supplemented with quite a few. Younger players, a lot of good talent. And there's always surprises, you know, uh, at our level within our league of people that move to town for their careers or what have you. And uh, it's nice to get phone calls and emails from those guys saying, hey, you know, can I come out? Can you have a look at me? So we're ready to go and we're very excited and hope to see you out there. So looking at looking at the club from a recruiting standpoint and we talked about the academies a little bit and and the youth clubs um when you're looking at a player uh, is it more through like a, a recruitment process where you're going out and looking at them or is it through open tryouts and and uh you know how, what is your what's your theory on bringing someone in and then helping to develop them further so where where we're at you know once again we're a local team and um, I, budget-wise, we don't have the ability to really travel around and recruit players. So it's tryout-based. And then after that, you know, tryouts. Once you make the team, it's not really the team, it's the pool. So we had tryouts a couple months ago, and we had an initial pool. That pool changes. And the guys understand that the second they're offered a spot within the pool. That pool can change at any time. So it's not unlikely that midseason we might bring in two or three more players, you know, whether it's injury or what have you, someone moves away. So that's really kind of the way we have to look at it. Um, and then some of my players that are key players, you know, I, I respect them very, very much. And sometimes they, you know, they have a lead on other players because once again, we're all, you know, it's all local for us. So uh, with the MASL, are there any sort of 
roster restrictions. Like you can't go out and, you know, bring in say like Chris Weehan for a week or, you know, anything like that, or. There honestly, no, our roster is like the wild west. Okay. (laughs) So is there a, uh, is there a roster like restriction date? Like you, there's a cutoff date that you could sign, sign players to your team or. As long as a player is signed and Andres would know this better. Uh, the Thursday before a game. Okay. So, so, yeah. all right. so if, if Earl got in shape, Earl could potentially come out and. Hey, I was waiting for Earl. I held the doors open to tryouts an extra twenty. Look, minutes. look, look! I was I was going to show up, but I realized that my COVID beer belly got in the way more than I needed it to. So I could. I mean, I could be a water boy. That's about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's fun to see, you know, especially all the, all the young talent here in, in, and around the state and we're seeing it come up, uh, you know, now through the Academy, um, you know, we've seen a couple of the guys that have signed for United play for the runners, uh, over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, I, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, from, from your perspective, where, where do you really start to see that drive in players to go to that next level? Like I said, you know, it, it takes a special individual. You know, once again, you're coaching, you know, you guys volunteer coaching. Those little kids, you know, you ask them once they get a flavor for it. Hey, who wants to play pro? You know, half their hands will go up. And as they get older, of course, some of that goes away. But some some guys just have that desire. And then those that don't have the opportunity to actually play pro, but they are still very good players their big challenge and what i see with most of my guys is especially the the core players that were there from the beginning they just they love to play and they want to play at the highest level they can you know they are competitors they want to go out on the weekends and have good competition so and then of course you know, we get like the last season we were active. Talk about the local, uh, the local talent. I brought in the Legendary Brothers out of Cleveland High School, and Gabe and Nick. And you know, it wasn't that I'd bring them on to people to try to get, sell tickets. Those guys played with me. They were on the roster. They played. They traveled. They were very, very successful. You know, and th- and those are kids. Once again, you're going to get those type of players that have that desire. Hey, I want to go places. I want to go further than this coach. You know, so that's really, really the approach. And and like I said earlier, anything myself or Andres can do for these kids, we will. Oh, Andres throwing some tidbits over here in the chat. He says, uh, "48 hours before a game is when roster freezes for the week." And then the roster is a 24-man active roster. So, um, so you talked about a pool. So, is that like you can have kind of kind of like reserve players, first-team players, and you pick 24 every week? Well, you know, within the pool. So, the 24 is what you can have on your bench. That's the active. I mean, we could carry 35 or 40 if we wanted in a pool. And then exactly, you know, like you said, but I, there's at no time you'll see 24 people on our bench. Um, you know, the way it's, it's ran with different lines. A lot of teams will run three lines. Um, 
some teams in the M1 division play with four lines, and that's a lot. I mean, and basically that's it's a sprint. A line goes on there, sprinting the whole time. Next line, next line. We don't have. We're not that deep, and um, for the level we're at, I don't even want to go that way because, to me, it takes a little enjoyment out of the game. You know, we run about a two-minute shift, and that's enough time for the guys to get a little winded. And trust me, by the time we start, they're in shape. But that's just the nature of the game. And we say we have lines, but what it really is game day. It's two lines, two-line rotation, and I have reserve players there that, you know, will switch out certain players maybe every third line change. You know, start to get them experience and give some of our key guys a breather. All right. It's good to hear a little bit. Yeah, like I said, there's probably a lot of folks that aren't as familiar with the MASL and how it, how it works and and uh, how the roster configuration is and all that. And so to me, it sounds a lot like a like a hockey team. Um, See, and luckily for me, I got into hockey recently, so I actually understand like what the lines are and what all this is now. So luckily for me, I'm not sitting here like totally in my thumbs trying to figure this out. I actually understand what the lines are. Cool. So I'm a, I'm a little in debt. I, I think I know more about indoor soccer or arena soccer than I do regular soccer now. <laughs> um, I'm looking at, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was saying now he's got to come out and experience it. Yeah, I know. We, well, I was out there when uh, Landon Donovan was out there. Oh, cool. Very cool. That's when I got starstruck and couldn't even talk. Yeah, he was – he's a class act, Landon. He's a, I was very fortunate to uh, be an assistant coach for that team. And, uh, yeah, Landon, he's a, he's a good guy, class act. Uh, so, Coach, when you're when you're not busy with, with the club, um, who do you follow outside of the MASL? Like, is there do you follow the Prem? Do you follow Bundesliga? Who do you follow? And uh, I'll uh, say how yes. much time do you actually spend watching soccer outside of oh, outside of your I, job? I'm that funny guy. I l- absolutely love soccer. Now, I don't have a team that I say that's my team. I tattoo on my body. I mean, I've got friends that are. My son is a Liverpool diehard, so I make it a point. Um, for co- three reasons. My son's a Liverpool diehard. Klopp, I loved him when he coached in Germany. I actually got to, I was fortunate enough to be over there uh, several times to, to, and watch him coach when he was still over there. And uh, the third, it's an American-owned club. But, you know, outside of that, I, I'll put on a game, and it could be some of the so-called top teams in the world. And if they're playing bad that day, I change the channel. I just like good soccer. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever teams are – if they're playing well, I love it. If they're not playing well, uh, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make me happy. So, I, I, you know, I can't say I have a go-to team or a go-to player. Well, I'll help you, know, you out. You know, so, I like, when Messi was in Barcelona, I would be mesmerized to watch him just to see the incredible things that he'd do. And, you know, Ronaldo, of course. Ronaldo, you know – Every once in a while, there's those players that they're freaks. You know, they're they're from a different planet. I mean, Ronaldo is 37 years old, and look at the guy. If someone told you he was 24 years old, you would not doubt it. I know I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you know, guys like that, of course, you'd love to see. You said you got into the game at a at a pretty early age. Um, who at that point for you were the players that you kind of followed and were kind of like tried to like uh, emulate? Well, so 
when I was a kid, the NASL was going on. You know, Pele was here. Um, I'm originally from New York. So, of course, the Cosmos, you know, that that was a big deal for me. And then, um, believe it or not, way back then, PBS used to have a program called Soccer Made in Germany. Really? This was the announcement. And in the 70s at the time, FC Cologne was on the top of the league. So, you know, I would follow them. And the irony of that is years later, I formed a partnership with a private academy that's right outside of Cologne Stadium. So I've been over there many times, you know, at the Cologne Stadium. And if I would have known that as a kid, I mean, uh, that would have been tremendous. Uh, You know, that would have been. But, you know, with the... NASL, you were lucky to get maybe a quarter of a game a week because the sports back then, there was no cable TV or anything like that. And we had uh, ABC Wild World of Sports where they mixed six or seven sports every Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd show 10 minutes of the game. It would be live. Then they jumped to auto racing. And then they jumped to gymnastics. And then they jumped to whatever, men's, you know, world's strongest man. And then they jumped back. So it was really, really hard to follow someone when I was a kid. Yeah. What do you think about the expansion of the coverage of soccer and, and the growth of it in general? Cause over the past, I'd say probably decade, maybe decade and a half, it's really just seemed to kind of explode, especially when it comes to coverage of the men's and women's national teams here. And then with the TV deals that you see like La Liga and uh, the premier league getting here in the States. Oh man. It, you know, it's fantastic. It really, really is. You know, I I think if you look at that pattern, right, and you're right, it's been about 10 years. And now look at the quality of some of our players that have jumped over to Europe at 18 and 19 years old. And I really think part of it is because of that. You know, they're getting to watch that stuff. You know, they, they watch what their favorite player does. And then they go out in the street or at training and they try to do that. And it's things they normally wouldn't see. So, I mean, it, it's just awesome. It's great. I, you know, if you really search, there's not a minute of the day. You you know, you couldn't find something on TV, you know, with all the private channels and the pay-per-view and all that type of stuff. So it's fantastic. It goes, like, once again, back to the education part of it. Man, the more exposure our American kids get to that, and, you know, even the adults that turn into fans – that's the thing that amazes me, too, is the amount of fans of soccer in our country that have never kicked the ball. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, Earl and I have, and, and with Jacob, you know, I grew up in the South. You know, it was all baseball and football, and I, I think I played soccer for maybe two years, and it just it wasn't big. And at that point, it was, I mean, it was Saturdays were, were, were college football, Sundays were the NFL, and then that was it. You didn't see soccer coverage anywhere. Like I knew maybe two kids that played soccer all through high school, even and be going beyond that. It was just, it was just non-existent. And so, you know, I watch it now and, you know, my oldest son, he's played, I don't know, four or five seasons now. And he just, he absolutely loves it. And for me, we talk about the coverage and just the exposure, like I can go on ESPN plus and I can watch every single La Liga game every single week. If I want I can watch all of the Bundesliga matches. I can watch every single premier league match over on Peacock. And you know, with, with Paramount, you've got Serie A, you've got 
uh, the Brazilian league, you've got Argentinian soccer. Like it's just absolutely insane. And, you know, I've honestly spent more time watching soccer than any other sport (laughs) over the past probably, you know, 10 years or so. And something I can guarantee you'll be doing after this is watching soccer made in Germany, which is on ESPN plus. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that great? Are they, are they all, is it a new show or is it uh, old replays? It's the old replays from 1977, 78, and it starts off um, with FC Schalke and and Bayern Munich. (laughs) Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I'll have to go watch that here in a little little while. That's that's, that's fantastic. You know, know, we we talk tactics on on the show. Well, see, my dad didn't care. Go ahead, Coach. Now I was saying with that with that program, my my dad was not a big soccer fan, and uh, so I watched soccer made in Germany Sunday afternoon. Italian family, you know, you eat lunch a little earlier or dinner a little earlier on Sundays, and soccer made in Germany was on, and that was the one day of the week my dad let me eat in the living room. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, okay, watch," but as soon as I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, throw, throw on the on Sunday night football or, or whatever, you know, like, you know, you know, we, we talk tactics on the show and I've shown, I've had it on the show a few times, you know, I, I've been reading through inverting the pyramid. Um, and, and so like, I, I consider myself a student of the game. I love to watch and try to figure out what the coaches are doing, what they're trying to do tactically. And, and so for you, when you're watching, how much of it uh, for you is for enjoyment and how much of it are you saying going saying they're going okay they shouldn't have done that tactically or maybe they should have done this so i think it's true for anyone that you know has been at it as long as i've been at it and there's a lot of you know gosh local people that have been at it that long i i i can't watch for just enjoyment you know you always got a coach's hat on you know so i Right, you know, within 10 minutes of the game, in my mind, and, and I'm not very vocal about it. You know, I'm not that guy that, you know, going to uh, an outing where they're showing a game where there's 50 or 60 or seven people. I keep my mouth shut, you know, and I watch. I, I But, uh, yeah, it's always a critique for me. And, you know, what changes would I make sort of thing? Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, I, I can imagine, and I imagine it's tough to to, to look at that and say, okay, um, is there anything that I can employ in, with with my club? And you know, are are and are there times where you look at that and say, okay, how can we adjust this for the the style that we play and, and the format that we play in? Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of different philosophies. My guys know we have a system. Now, you know, a lot of other teams that we play against, they might not think our system, you know, is as strong as theirs, but the bottom line is if you could get all your players to believe system and work on that system, you know, you're taking a couple um, steps back in terms of uh, efficiency and because our players all have an idea what the next line is going to do when they're receiving the ball, you know, and the line after that understands what we're trying to achieve in the attacking third. And it's not mechanical though. You know, I, I set up this system and you know, the, the guys know this is what we're working for. You know, because indoor is very dynamic. It's very, very high speed. There are some teams that, you know, like to park the bus. 
but that's not the spirit of arena soccer. You know, the spirit of arena soccer, it's very dynamic and it's very fast and in a controlled manner. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, you know, when we're playing against something, uh, another team, unless they're just far superior to us, I don't try to counter what they're doing. I try to do what we're doing better. You know, because you always want to be the team that uh, the other team's chasing you. And that's right. been my. All right. Well, you know, Coach, we've, we've taken up about an hour of your time. You know, we appreciate you being here. And uh, I mean, if you if you if you if you'd like, you're more than welcome to stick around. We're going to talk the USL Championship final. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, I mean, we appreciate you. you we appreciate hey guys, you being I- here. And- I'm probably going to lose you anyway. My phone is telling me to plug in. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you being here. And, uh, of course, you know, Coach Steve uh, Famoletta from the New Mexico Runners. Uh, season kicks off here in a couple weeks, Friday, December 17th, uh, at Omaha Kings. Before, and they'll be back here in town on Saturday, January 1st. Um, you know, what do you guys expect from there from that first weekend? And uh, how can folks follow you guys across social media? Uh, with that, uh, Andres, I'm sure we'll tweet in and give you all the information because, you know, that's his gig. He sets that all up. Uh, you know, I had a hard enough time logging on to get into the show. <laughs> but what I do want to say, guys, I you know, we really, really appreciate what you guys are doing for, you know, soccer in general in the state. I mean, it, it's it's really great, you know, to see that and um, see how willing you're, you guys want to help soccer across the board. You know, I really, really appreciate it. So, you know, anything you guys ever need from us, you know, likewise. And thank you guys very, very much. And, and thank everyone that chimed in. And I can't wait to see you guys soon. All right, Coach Steve, we appreciate your time. And uh, we will talk to you guys here probably in a couple weeks as the season get, gets going. And there you see, I think that's Andres uh, going up from the Facebook. Season tickets can be bought at forward slash season tickets. So guys, thank you for everyone hopping in the chat. Uh, coach Steve uh, from the runners uh, joined us here tonight. So uh, coach, again, we appreciate you and uh, we'll talk to you guys. Soon. Have, thanks so much. And uh, if I don't see you before, you guys have a fantastic Christmas. Ah, you thanks. as well. You too, coach. Hey guys, take care. All right. All right, folks. Yeah, well, that, that was, was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. That went a, a whole bunch of different places. That I honestly, I went into this really just got a brief plan. You know, talking to Tim about it, about his um, beginnings in the USL and jumping over the MASL. And that went so many different places. Fantastic conversation. Uh, so, Andres, if you're still in the chat, appreciate you uh, making Coach available to us, and and, uh, and Coach Steve, thank you for your time this evening. And uh, yeah, guys, you know, like we announced earlier, we are going to brand, be branching out a little bit this year. We're going to cover the runners as best we can. We still got to figure out the logistics of that because um, Earl and Jacob, obviously, you guys know we're out of town. I'm here in town, so we are we're going to figure out something. We're going to try to get someone out there to as many games as we as we possibly can. Uh, so look for that. So uh, I might, I might know a guy that can help us cover the runners. That would be, hey, that would be fantastic. Um, if you're, if you're in the chat 
Uh, you guys know that we do throw out the throw it out every so often. We are looking for content creators here on the show. If you want to um, write for our website, if you want to potentially be a part of the show, you don't have to be on the show. Uh, so we're looking for folks. We we want to continue covering soccer throughout New Mexico, New Mexico United, New Mexico Runners. Uh, we have something else in the works as well. Can't tell you guys about that just yet, but uh, we are looking for folks. If you if you do like audio editing, anything like that, please, if you're interested. Uh, um, you won't tell them. I'm going to tell them. Um, so Jacob is actually going to hop in an ice bath in the middle of winter, um, live streaming. Um, that's the news that we're going to break for you. Um, so reason why I said that is because Jacob's actually not here because he's busy being a family man. Um, we're committing Jacob to this about him knowing. Yeah, so he just got committed, so he'll only hear about this if, A, he's listening to this right now. And if you are, Jacob, why are you not chatting? Um, and, B, um, you have to listen to the podcast, which will come out probably Friday or Saturday Friday, morning. Yeah. Um, and that's how Jacob will know that he just got committed to an ice bath in the middle of winter. Yeah, you you guys heard it here here uh, first. Uh, tag Jacob over on Facebook uh, and uh, let him know that you're looking forward to his ice the ice bath. I'm sure he would he would absolutely love that. But yeah, so if you have his number, feel free to text him. I know one person that might still have his number in this chat. Um, I won't say her name because I know the rules, um, but I do know your number, um, and it's one after twelve. Um, <laughs> um yeah so so much to talk about i mean again coach steve uh was fantastic but we do have new mexico united news to get to um we'll go ahead and talk about that first the club has been announcing some returning players for the 2022 season already announced chris Weehan, amando moreno kaylin ride and christian nava daniel bruce locked in rashid tete was announced today uh the club did tease a yellow brick wall the other day uh, but they said they could not announce it, and obviously league restrictions and guidelines and all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming it's Alex Tambakis. I'm fairly certain that's who it is. I have no inside baseball on this one, um, but I'm pretty sure that's what's coming. Um, so, I mean, Earl, we knew we kind of knew these coming in to, to the offseason. We knew what players to expect, and we know some names that have not been announced yet. Um, but looking at these guys that have already been announced, um, what's your take on the early – on the way too early 2022 projections. I was a little concerned up until today um, because up until today, we only had one defenseman and I'm going to say that in a hockey, sl- in a hockey slur. Um, we only had one defenseman that can play defense um, being Kalen Ryden. So I was a little concerned that there was a whole lot of like midfielders and forwards being signed. And so after today's announcement of, of rush coming back, I was a little more relieved um, because I think they're just going to slow play it out until, I mean, shit, I don't know, because at this time we were getting new signings last season. Um, So, I mean, I'm not stressed about it. I'm not too worried about it. I'm actually excited for what we do have, and I hope and pray that we see some more familiar faces come back minus one familiar three-letter word that we've said all year round, and it's not FEP. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, uh, I think we have a very good core that's already been announced. Um, I wasn't too concerned about the number of midfielders versus any other position because I think the players that have been announced to this point, you've got a pretty solid core. Um, like I said, you've got, you've already got Rosh and Kalen coming back and help anchor that back line. You've got bees and Brucey coming out of the midfield, you know, Brucey obviously playing more of that wing back position. And then, uh, but wait, I, as he, or what, that's what he's done over the past three seasons. We don't necessarily know what things are going to be like under Zach Prince, um, but I mean, things look promising, you know, Armando obviously is going to be out until we think July, uh, is what we've heard, uh, Armando be out uh, with the ACL. Uh, so obviously Christian Nava coming back is going to be a big deal. Uh, we talked about him, this potentially being a, a breakout chance for him. And at, again, so way too early for us to really say anything. And we don't know much outside of this, but could be his opportunity. And, and I think that there's going to be a lot of growth this season for a number of guys uh, looking at what we have so far and looking at what we can build off of. So that's their uh, signings are around the Academy team. We, we definitely have to mention this. The New Mexico United Academy club is taking part in the USL Academy league playoffs. That is this weekend, December 12th, actually starts tomorrow, December 12th through the 5th out in Tampa. Uh, there are eight clubs that... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yes. You said December, December 12th through the oh, 5th. Oh, sorry, December 2nd through the 5th. I apologize. Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking until that. I've got it right in front of me. December 2nd through the 5th out in Tampa. Eight clubs qualified. Queensboro in Group A, you have Queensboro FC, Southern Soccer Academy, Weston FC, and New Mexico United. Over in Group B, you have Charlotte Independence, San Antonio FC, AC Connecticut, and Indy 11. So um, don't really know too much about any of these clubs outside of our own academy. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these academy clubs. And it looks like I'm trying to find Make sure I have everything set up here on my screen here. So this is at the Waters Sports Complex, home to USL League Two's Tampa Bay United. Um, the winning teams from Group A and Group B will score off in the USL Academy League final on Sunday, December fifth at five at six thirty p.m. Eastern Time at Al Lang Stadium. Now there is no streaming that we know of for this tournament. The club has said they will be live tweeting uh, the the tournament. So. Um, let's see if we can get an actual schedule here. Where is it? Okay, here we go. Actually, uh, come on now. Is it not actually give us a schedule on this page? Oh, wait, here it is. Schedule. Haha, <laughs> perfect. Sorry, guys. I thought I had everything pulled up here. So uh, tomorrow, 12 to, if you are here in the chat with us, uh, 12 to 11 a.m., I'm assuming this is Eastern time, New Mexico United does play against Queensboro FC, and then they take on Southern Soccer Academy on 12-3 at 11 a.m., and they also take on Weston FC on 12-4 at 11 a.m. So keep an eye on the club's social media feeds for updates on those um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens here. Errol, what, do you have any idea at all how the, how the Academy is going to do? So I know more about hockey 
and New Mexico runners than I do about USL Academy soccer? Well, it's soccer played with kids that are not on professional contracts. Well, it's more than I know because I don't know <laughs> how they're doing. I don't know. I know a couple kids on the academy team only because I was on the pitch for media coverage. So I got to hang out with a couple of them for a little bit. Um, But other than that, I don't know a single thing about how the academy team is doing or any other teams that they're playing. So I'm going to go out on a limb and just say good luck. New Mexico United Academy, and wish you the best. Well, looking at the at the competition page here, so out of the Southwest Division, New Mexico is where that's where New Mexico United Academy qualified from. They went three three and two during the academy season. Uh, these from the Southeast Division, Southern Soccer Academy, they went five one and two. Queensboro FC came out of the Northeast Division where they went eleven one and two, and then Weston FC came out of the Florida Division. How that's not part of the Southeast Division, I don't know. But uh, Florida Division, Weston FC went 5-1-0. And then Group B, uh, the South Central Division, San Antonio FC went 4-0-2. Indy 11 out of the East Central Division went 6-3-0. Charlotte Independence out of the Atlantic went 8-0-0. And then in the, out of the Northeast Division, AC Connecticut went 10-3-1. So looks like there's going to be playing some clubs that have a pretty good pedigree. At I'm least, officially uh, confused. So I'm gonna be honest. I'm officially confused. Yeah. Um. How is it that our record is three, three, and two? Um. But Queensboro, whatever the hell there were, is like eleven and zero, and there's nothing that has an eight and zero record. Like I don't understand it at all. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Well, I, I definitely need to do more research into the academy league and how the, the competition is structured. Uh, I imagine it sounds, it looks like this, maybe the season started at different times. Um, so the USL Academy schedule has officially got me believing that two plus two equals three. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, um, oh, we got, we got some other stuff coming out too, to talk about that. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting rules for this. So the format structure of the competition is that the uh, the finals will the final matches will uh, have a 15 minute in time period. Uh, then it goes to a penalty shootout. Okay, that's a little bit different, but we'll take it. Uh, the placement matches, if at the end of regulation the match is tied, the game will decide by a penalty shootout. So, um, No, all right. So all Academy League game day age group roster rules apply, except no senior team overage players will be allowed to compete. So I know there is a rule where uh, overage players are allowed to compete in certain instances, but it sounds like they can't do that here. Um, teams can must register a minimum of 16 players and have no more than 23 on the roster. And then let's see. Substitution policy. Teams are allowed a maximum of seven normal substitutions per game to be used over the course of three moments, excluding halftime, but including cooling and or drink breaks. So, all right. Additionally, the USL Academy has implemented the concussion substitute initiative. So a lot of different rules here. Uh, so, things. I don't understand one damn bit. How does it, how does a team, 
qualify for this USL Academy League playoff? Uh, yeah. Because you can't tell me that it's be- if they win their division because Next United didn't, or Next United Academy oh, did okay. not I, win I, their division. I think I see why. I think I see why. So, um, it looks like so United only played eight matches. There's only eight. There's only nine clubs within the region. So that's why they only played eight. If you look at the 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 Florida division, they there's more clubs. So they played more matches. So it looks like they play everybody once, as far as I can tell. The Florida division only has four. What? No. Weston FC, the Miami FC, the Villages SC, and PSG Academy. Um, yeah, Northeast has Queensboro, Connecticut, Ironbound, BRFC, FC Copa, FA Euro, Pathfinder FC, Morris Elite. So, I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. <laughs> we won't figure this out, guys. We, we I'm not sure if this out. headache is because of all this fucking thinking or this fucking vaccine. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't know what page you're looking at, but according to the USL Academy, USL uh, dash Academy dot com. com forward slash Florida, Florida, yeah, Florida Elite SA, IMG Academy, Miami FC, Miramar United, PSG Academy, Tampa Bay Rallies, Villages SC, Treasure Coast Tritons, Weston FC. So there's more than four clubs there. I don't believe you. I'm looking at the map that Dude, shows a whole. I think you're drunk. <laughs> I'm gonna send this to you right now in the te- in the chat in the yeah. text. You're- you do that, but anyway, no matter how you look at it, the Mexico United Academy is playing this weekend uh, in a in the Academy playoffs. So best of luck to them. We hope they do well. Uh, maybe they bring home some silverware for us. That'd be a lot of fun to see how they do. So yeah, follow the club's social media throughout the week to get live updates on that. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, as we mentioned earlier with Coach Steve, the USL Championship is supposedly talking about pro rel this winter at the winter meetings. They are also supposedly looking at potentially changing the competition calendar to match basically match England. Um, Earl, what do you think about that? I don't, Earl, know, I don't I, watch English football. <laughs> Or I, I think that's what they're doing. I, I have to double check. But so, how um, much different would it be? Um, hang on. If, if they find, so they kind of follow that now. But um, oh, I think oh, I, never mind. I think what it is is they're trying to switch to like the uh, like the fall spring. So like. Um, so like they would start in in like May and then end in like March or something like that. Let yeah, me make I don't sure know if I, I like that. Right. Oh, why am I not logged into this? Dang it. Anyway. So yeah, interesting changes going on in the USL. Um, do you think promotion relegation uh, gets discussed? And if they do, do you think they vote on it? And if they vote, where does it go? I'd be okay with that. Um Definitely would be okay with that. Just because then it increased. I feel like it increased the competition levels to where mm-hmm. teams aren't just sucking to suck. 
All right, let's see. Okay, so the the idea that was floating. This is from an athletic article back earlier in the year. Uh, they're trying to they want to invert the calendar. Um, where is it? Okay, yeah, they want us. Uh, they want to. Uh, the proposal. The proposal is a radical shift in the league's calendar, going away from the spring to fall schedule used by MLS and switching to the more go- globally customary fall to spring slate. So start around you know August and then end in like May. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. No. No. How come? Um. So a bunch of USL players right now, top tier players, came from. MLS, a couple of those, I mean, I wouldn't even say top tier, some talent that has came to USL came from MLS. New Mexico United has thrived off of that with the addition of Amando Moreno. Um, last season, they thrived off of having a decent backup in Michael Azira. Um and vice versa, because if you look at LAFC, they thrived off of that same. Uh... Sorry, I got breaking news. Breaking news. Uh oh. Baseball breaking news. Oh, no one cares. Anyways, breaking news for Major League Baseball. The Major League Baseball has locked out their players, certifying games first work stoppage in more than a quarter century. 1995 or 94 i should say yeah so there's no baseball right now which i'm okay with because fuck the dodgers um anyways um so like i was saying though is both mls and usl both thrive off of having the imitating the same schedule where you see amanda moreno come to usl you see mike azira come to usl you see um what the hell's that guy's name? Mitchie Galena go up to LAFC and potentially has a contract with them. They haven't announced anything yet. All the announces the, the loan ended. So he might even have a uh, MLS contract. So I, I kind of like the way it is right now because we can easily pick off of MLS and they can easily scout off of us to make the league better. Um, I don't know if we get that same kind of fruition doing a fall to spring schedule and trying to match or imitate the European leagues. I think my biggest concern about a switch in the schedule that drastic is who's going to want to play soccer here in February? Who's going to want to play like, in Chicago in February. Fuck February. Go December. I mean, I mean, even, even then, like, I mean, you're looking now to where there's a good possibility a, a more than one team plays on Thanksgiving, more than one team plays on Christmas, more than one team plays on um, that third holiday, New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> that third holiday. <laughs> so, yeah. And, Veterans Day, I mean, you're seeing a whole bunch of holidays that get overran. Major holidays that get overran. Um, There was some players that I follow on Twitter um, when I was on Twitter that were very upset that they missed 
certain New Mexico things and certain holidays, and they're very upset about it because of USL schedule. But then you're going to get the opposite where you're going to have more players upset because they have to either practice on Thanksgiving or they have to play on Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. So, I I mean, it's a catch-22 because, yeah, I mean, it works out because that's like the global the global mantra is play in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. But in the same in the same breath, I mean, you said it correctly. Who's going to want to play here in February? <laughs> I mean, you already have people complaining and bitching and moaning about low attendance. I can only imagine in February when it's snowing outside, no one's going to want to go outside. I'd be interested to get Peter's thoughts on this. I'm going to reach out to Dave and see if we can get Peter on this. and. And uh, see if we can get some insight into the, the, the governor's meetings. But yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, would I would I stop watching? Would I stop watching USL because of the schedule change? No. Would I stop going to matches and covering the team that I love because of the schedule change? No. Um, I don't know if I'd be willing, or if any media source would be willing to sacrifice the Thanksgiving to go stand in the blistering cold for four and a half hours for maybe 6,000 people. You know, I wouldn't mind. It's Thanksgiving Day, something to do, man. Absolutely. I mean, I have food to eat. Well, of course. But, you know, at that point, if we're at the game on Thanksgiving Day, then, you know, I'm going to expect, you know, the club to shell out and, you know, get us a... Yeah, if the club shells out and they have like a potluck <laughs> after the match, you can count me the fuck in. Yeah, man. But if it's just like a normal Saturday night match where we show up, we do our presser, and then we go home, or we go drink a beer at BJ's, or we go do the hell we would do on a on a Saturday night after a match, then nah, count me out. <laughs> yeah, I you know either way, I'm in. I mean, I, I'm all in on this club. You know, I'm gonna be there every single match no matter what but yeah i think that's i think that's the big gonna be the biggest issue is is the scheduling and you're gonna see a lot of early you're gonna see a lot of like a lot of the winter matches you know like november december january february played in like you know florida georgia you know arizona texas Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna see you know here and other places play more, you know, March, April, May, August, September, October, um, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but yeah, I, I just, that's going to be the biggest issue is how do you, how do you do the scheduling for something like that? And fortunately where the, where we are here in town, the club doesn't, you know, we don't get necessarily get a lot of snow, but I, you know, it's people traveling in and out of town. Like I think the bigger, that would be the bigger issue is, you know, yeah, because I have a freaking safe. mountain I have to drive through yeah. to get to Albuquerque. Jacob yeah. has a mountain and a hill and pretty much the Red Sea to part just to get into Albuquerque. Yeah, it's a lot to consider, and it would be it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the winter meetings and which way the governors go on these issues. Um but yeah, we're just we're gonna have to wait and see. And like I said, we'll we'll reach out to, to David and see if maybe we can get Peter on. Uh, around the time of the meetings or, or shortly after and, and get and pick his brain about it. Try to get and, some peat leaks. Yeah, I get some peat leaks going on here. That's what we need. That's what we need this offseason. We need some peat leaks up in here. But um, last thing I had to talk about tonight 
and it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. The The USL League year is done as of yesterday. November 30th is the final day of the league season. Uh, this past weekend, we did see the USL Championship. It was, it was all the USL Cup awarded to Orange County SC with their 3-1 victory over Tampa Bay Rowdies. And I'll be completely honest, none of us had this picked. None of us had Orange County coming out of this as, as the champions. And and I, I if I remember, remember correctly, not, none of us even had them picked to win this final match in our in our redone pick em pool. So, Wait, we um, had a redone pick em pool? Well, not really. We just kind of talked about it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we just kind of talked like, about it. And uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Orange County. Uh, they they got hot at the right time. They played well, and they took advantage of some Tampa Bay mistakes in the first half. And and yeah, they get their first star. And so, Earl, what what was your takeaway from the championship match? Oh, did you even watch it? Earl doesn't have ESPN. That's right. You don't. He has ESPN Plus. Um, so Earl didn't get a chance to watch the match. Um, Earl wasn't really too heartbroken to not watch the match either because it was Orange County and Tampa Bay. So I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it was fun. It was a fun match to watch. From what I saw when I was tuning in for the eight minutes on ESPN plus on the preview I had, <laughs> it was a really good match from what and, I saw. Yeah. Oh, it was. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> like I said, Orange County took care, took advantage of some early mistakes from Tampa Bay, made them pay, jumped out to a three nil lead in the first half, which I thought was absolutely incredible for them. And you know, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's. I don't. Know, I don't know if there's necessarily a shift in the power from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, but to come out of the 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 stacked Western Conference playoff pyramid basically orange county played a heck of a tournament they really did and you know i think tampa bay i think honestly i think they might have lost um to pittsburgh had that had the birmingham pittsburgh match not uh, been canceled due to covid but we'll never know we'll never know and so here's here's what bothers me and it's my little soapbox rant and i'm about to go on um so immediately after that orange county match against tampa bay um, that they won. Congratulations. Immediately on the New Mexico United Nation page or whatever the hell they want to call themselves, um, there was a stupid post. Um, and I wish I could find it real quick, but I'm not going to be able to because my fingers aren't that oh, quick. I what you're talking about. Um, and it says, and I quote, I wonder how Chris Weehan is feeling right now. Or something along that line. Whoever put that, you're a freaking idiot. And I'm willing to say that you're a freaking idiot because had it not been for Chris Weehan, who scored what 12 goals in half a season for us. Yeah. So that had he been here the whole season, that puts about 24 goals. Um, I do believe Haji Berry only had 22 goals. So that would have gave bees the golden boot for New Mexico United. Um, is he kicking himself? No, because he grew up here. He played here. He played New Mexico United here. He wanted to come back. So is he kicking himself for coming back and then Orange County 
making the finals and winning? No, he's not. He's actually probably right now, if we were to ask him right now how he feels about Orange County winning, he's probably about as happy as Seth would be when the Braves won. <laughs> because even though he's not there, it's still his hometown. It's while, where while, he, you, while you're talking about this, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm, I'm going to grab something real quick. Oh, you got a Braves jersey, some stupid bullshit. I, I, got, I got something. Hang on. Just, just, you got some just stupid bullshit. So, yes, yeah, so like I was saying, I mean, for you to say that is just pure ignorance because, one, Orange County is Bees' hometown. That's the same way any hometown fan is going to feel about any team that they root for in their hometown. If your team wins, you're happy for them. Yeah, he plays for New Mexico United, but deep down, somewhere's in his heart, is a piece of Orange County. If that wasn't the case, he would have went back. He wouldn't have went back to Orange County to go play for them for half a season. But that being said, he came back to us to New Mexico United because New Mexico is part of his home too. That's his heart. He wants to play here. He loves to play here, and that's why he came back. Um. So, and I probably should have stayed off of Facebook that night because I knew some kind of stupid comment was going to happen, but I didn't, and I'm paying for it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I have, and I'm hoping Seth comes back sometime soon. I think he ran away. Um, so, with that, I have nothing else to rant about. Maybe when Seth hears this, he'll he'll see that his flag is not straight. The yellow. Oh dear God! The hell did you go fucking shave too? So sorry, folks. Quick, quick uh, wardrobe change there. You know the fucking Seth had to go fucking shave. World Championship, you know, twenty twenty one World World Series champs. God, did you get that on the clearance? I got another shirt in there, too. You, you bought know, that on Black Friday, didn't you? I did not. Because it came I on didn't. clearance. No, actually, I went down. I was out. Uh, for for folks that don't know, I was out of town over Thanksgiving. Uh, I did go see my family. And That's why we, we were here. We went down to the battery uh, outside of Truist Park. And, yeah. Got some, for those of uh, you who are not lady. aware of where the battery is, um, it's actually... <laughs> In here, um, it's a rechargeable battery. So somewhere it plugs in. Oh, right there. It plugs in right there. That's the actual battery compartment right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Earl, with with, uh, with how this season played out, uh, I got in the car yesterday. I was leaving work, and I, I think we're gonna. I think we're pretty close to the end of the show here. I, I was leaving work yesterday. He got in the car, turned on the radio, and it was uh, wasn't even on the one hundred one seven. The team, it was on some station that was advertising uh, Dodger tickets. That was the ad on the radio, and they said that if you show up to like opening day, it said, "Are you looking to add to your World Series to your twenty eighteen World Series collectibles?" I'm like, three year old World Series memorabilia being given out to fans to entice them to come to opening day. Is that what the Dodgers have sunk to? I mean, the Dodgers have sunk to paying buckets and buckets and buckets of money to not make it to the World Series. So, and I could say that because (laughs) as many of you know, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. And we literally 
sold our house with everybody in it and all the furniture for prospects. Yeah. And draft picks. Yep. I don't think we got any good draft picks. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I actually hate baseball because of that reason. Um, I'm kind of glad that they're in a lockout right now. Um, only because it's baseball. I just want to see Freddie get resigned. That's all I care about at this point. Lockout. We knew it was coming, but I just want to see Freddie get resigned. That's all I'm hoping for. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's gonna do it, folks. We've been here about an hour and a half now, and uh, you know, great show tonight. We really enjoyed it. Appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out with us in the chat, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you're catching the show tonight. Uh, we appreciate you guys here. Huge, huge thank you to Andres Trujillo and Coach Steve Femaletta from New Mexico Runners for hanging out with us for the first part of the show. I had a great, great conversation with him. Go check them out, NewMexicoRunners.com forward slash season tickets to get your tickets for that. The runners are in town starting on January 1st. Um, so get out there and get your tickets, cheer them on. Can't wait to see that. Can't wait to get out there and cover the club this year. And we're looking forward to that. Uh, Earl, do you have any final thoughts? I don't. So actually I do. The only final thought I have is if you're considering getting the booster vaccine or getting your vaccine, just do it. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Don't hate on the people that did do it. Um, Make sure you guys are staying safe. Keep wearing your mask. Doing what you have to. Keep safe. There's been a lot of stupid numbers in New Mexico for whatever reason. And I feel like we just need to get back to what we're doing. And just being safe again. Yeah, I I second that. Uh, I have my date set for my booster shot. Um, you know, definitely after spending time with my family, uh, I saw my grandparents for the first time in two years, two and a half years in person anyway. Um, you know, just, you know, know, it's not a hundred percent guarantee that you're not going to get it. There's not very few things in this life that are a hundred percent guaranteed other than death and taxes. But with a vaccine data has shown that. And puberty. Yeah. Puberty. Well, hmm. That's debatable. Earl's just now hitting his. So, um, <laughs> uh, data has shown that the va- that the vaccine does help um, if you do happen to catch it, even after the fact. So, go out, protect yourselves, protect your loved ones. Um, I don't even know what the numbers are today. I don't know that I want to look to see what the numbers are today. But uh, are you still talking? Yes, yes, I am, Hank. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um, again, no show next week. We will be back in two weeks' time as we stick to our postseason schedule. Of course, if there is any big breaking news, we will pop on and do something quick. But that's the plan. Two weeks. Appreciate you guys being here. And until next time, somos amigos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.